Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's do this. What a night to have four hours of radio all across the country. CBS Sports Radio, Sirius 206, Radio.com Sports. My name is Danny Parkins coming to you live from the great city of Chicago, the home of Thaddeus Young. And that will be our only mention of the Bulls' only free agent signing. Let's go. We are coming to you live from the Rock and Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rock and Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227 to get in touch with the show. At Danny Parkins on Twitter. At CBS Sports Radio to interact with the network. We've got great NBA guests uh, over the next four hours, so if you want to sit back, relax, and hang out, that's cool. Plenty of time for you to interact as well. And I'm not going over each and every individual move. There's too many of them. The NBA is amazing. It is this real, live, unscripted drama. Obviously, the biggest story is Kyrie and KD teaming up in Brooklyn. But we won't get to see that for the vast majority of this upcoming season, obviously. With Kevin Durant recovering from an Achilles injury, maybe out for all of next year. Still gets a max if he wanted it. He's reportedly going to take a little bit less than the max with Kyrie. So that DeAndre Jordan, one of KD's best friends in the league, can get his $10 million per. But there were max offers on the table for Kevin Durant, even with the Achilles injury. And all of a sudden, we've got a new team of supreme relevance in the Brooklyn Nets. A playoff team last year, add Kyrie this year. They get Kevin Durant either next year or the year after. They are now in the conversation of contenders. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm here for the schadenfreude. I'm here for the harmless anarchy in sports. I love, not like, but love that the Knicks struck out in this fashion. It's hilarious because I love New York. I love New York city. I love New York state. I know a lot of Knicks fans. I, I know a lot of New Yorkers. Some of them are even my friends and family, but man, can that be an entitled bunch? The Mecca of basketball, Madison square garden, the Knicks, haven't been really relevant since Patrick Ewing. Thought that it was their birthright. Thought they were entitled to relevance because of a building. Mm, mm, mm. Enjoy irrelevance compared to the Brooklyn Nets, the hipster borough, the city within a city, the place you mock. Yeah, that's right. I know how it works. All you people there in Manhattan looking down on Brooklyn. Great Caribbean food. 
the hipsters, the skinny jeans, the gentrification, the burgeoning rent prices. I know what you say about Brooklyn. KD and Kyrie, two of the weirdest, most hipster dudes in the NBA, just decided to spurn you for hipster paradise in Brooklyn. Mm, mm, mm. That is some poetic justice, and I am here for it. But all of a sudden, because the NBA moves so quickly, LeBron James is not in the driver's seat for the NBA. Kevin Durant is not in the driver's seat for the NBA. LeBron shaped the league in 2010, and he had the decision, and he left Cleveland, and he did the super team in Miami. He shaped the league. Kevin Durant reshaped the league when he lost to them in the Western Conference Finals, them being the Warriors, and then he joined up with the super team after they lost in the 2016 Finals. Kevin Durant reshaped the league. It was a singular decision from an NBA power broker, a singular talent that shaped two dynasties. Heat going to four straight finals, LeBron going to eight straight, and Kevin Durant extending the Warriors dynasty and winning a couple titles and finals MVPs for his trouble. And now the man who is in the NBA driver's seat, driving the fastest car, is the biggest enigma in the entire league. Makes Kyrie and KD and their hipster Brooklyn tendencies look downright mainstream. And that's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has a decision on his hands that will reshape how we think about him, who the favorite is for next year, and if we are going to have a dynasty to take us into the 2020s. No pressure, kid. Not that it seems like you feel any pressure, given that you're carving out one of the most unique legacies, and I know that there aren't really degrees of uniqueness, but I enjoy it. One of the most unique legacies in NBA history. Already the first person to be a finals MVP in both the Western and Eastern Conference, and you did it in San Antonio and Toronto. So I always love the idea of Kawhi either staying in Toronto or going to the Clippers to be, you know, off the beaten path guy, which is what he's been his entire career. But now there are reports from plugged-in sources that say that Kawhi Leonard is trying to get intel on the Los Angeles Lakers and that he will be meeting with the Los Angeles Lakers early this week. There's not a rush on a decision from Kawhi Leonard. He is making the league wait because he is now the most powerful person in the NBA. He's not the richest. He's not the most famous. He might not even be the best, but he is the most powerful person in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, until he makes this decision. Because if Kawhi Leonard chooses the Lakers, we have a new super team on our hands with arguably three of the top five players, certainly three of the top seven players, depending on how far you think LeBron may or may not have fallen coming off an injury at 35 and where you have Anthony Davis. So let's be conservative. Let's say three of the top seven players in the NBA if Kawhi chooses the Lakers. And given that Kevin Durant is hurt and some of the talent disbursement that's happened in this league, you will have the Lakers approaching the overwhelming favorite status that the Warriors were in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. 
And if Kawhi Leonard goes back to Toronto, it's wide open. If Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers, it's wide open. And I'm talking wide open in a way that we haven't seen the NBA in maybe 15 years. When the Pistons won in 04 with Chauncey, Sheed, Rip, and Ben Wallace. The NBA is not a league of parity. The NBA is a league of dynasties. And the NBA has thrived being a league of dynasties. Whether it was the Celtics, the Lakers, the 90s Bulls, the Spurs of the spread out, you know, turn of the century, the Warriors, it has thrived and survived. LeBron, he's his own dynasty. He's really the only individual dynasty because he went to eight straight finals with two different teams. Cleveland, four in Miami, back in Cleveland. But it's an amazing thing. Let's say Kawhi Leonard chooses anyone other than the Lakers. So let's say he chooses either the Clippers or the Raptors. The Clippers or the Raptors are then an NBA final contender because we just saw him do it in Toronto and the Clippers are also a young, talented team that everyone all of a sudden would be making all of their comps of their young players to the Raptors players. So if he goes to the Clippers, they're a contender. If he goes to the Raptors, they're a contender. So we'll say Kawhi Leonard's team is a contender. That's one. The Lakers are a contender with LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's two. The Milwaukee Bucks are a contender. Even though they lost Malcolm Brogdon to the Pacers, and Brogdon's really good, and Nico Miritich is going to play in the Euro League after passing up 45 to $50 million in contracts. Fascinating decision. Different kind of cat. Good for him. Don't mess with Happy. But Giannis is going to take another leap this year. They retain Middleton. They retain Lopez. That was a deep team. They won the most games in the NBA, and Giannis is not even in his prime yet, and he just won the MVP, and he's getting better as a shooter. So Giannis and the Bucks are a contender next year. So that's three. The Warriors, even with Klay Thompson's ACL injury and losing Kevin Durant, are a contender next year. Yes, because they'll make the playoffs with Steph Curry, Draymond, and the rest, and We'll see when Clay comes back and in a wide open NBA, if you've got the best backcourt in the NBA and you're the best shooting team in the NBA, which they damn well probably will be. If Clay comes back, you're a contender, not to mention their experience. That's four. Boston is a contender. Now, yeah, they're different and it'll take time, but they might have some addition by subtraction stuff going on here. You get Kyrie out of there. Kyrie's better than Kemba and losing Horford hurts, but Brown, Tatum, guys get younger younger and better, lose Rogier, coaching, spread it around. Hayward, who was playing much better at the end of last season compared to the beginning, takes a year and a half to come back from that injury. Ask Paul George. Hayward should be a much better player next year. Boston's a contender. That's five. Houston is a contender. Obviously, that's six. Philly is a contender. Philly's going to be interesting. Philly's going to be weird. But, yo, Philly is big and talented. They traded for Josh Richardson. 
I get why they made the move. They didn't want to lose Jimmy Butler for nothing. Josh Richardson, I get why Miami does it. They get a legitimate top 15 player in Jimmy Butler. And they Josh Richardson's a former second-round pick, so they only have to give that up to get Jimmy. I get why both sides did it. But you got Richardson, Simmons, Harris, Embiid, and Al Horford. Yo. That is a diverse, weird, unicorn-looking starting five with a really, really high ceiling. Richardson's a 37% three-point shooter. Tobias Harris is a great three-point shooter. If Ben Simmons could learn how to knock down a free throw, they could be a really good team. And Joel Embiid was straight-up dominant when he was hurt in the playoffs. So imagine if he's healthy. He's one of the best talents in the entire league when healthy. So, yeah, Philly is a contender. That's seven. Not to mention Utah. With Bogdanovich and Conley added to Gobert and Mitchell, I think Donovan Mitchell has another level to get to in his game. He can get to that Dwayne Wade level of playmaker. Utah is a contender. Portland gets Yurkic back. With a Western Conference Finals team and McCollum and uh, Lillard, they'll talk themselves into being a contender. Denver, deep, interesting, young, versatile. They're a contender. That's 10. Not to mention how interesting Dallas is going to be. Not to mention how interesting Brooklyn is going to be. A playoff team this year adding Kyrie, not to mention the Pacers. Like we are talking about damn near half the league that maybe not all of them are legitimate title contenders, but all of them will be able to sell hope to their fan base and say, we can make a conference finals. We can win playoff series. We can go deep. And if the right things happen and our great player takes a leap, like Kawhi took a leap, like Giannis took a leap, we can win a title. The NBA hasn't had that for a sustained period of time in a long, long time. Because after the Pistons won that title, there's a guy named by the name of LeBron James coming into his powers. And the Celtics formed a super team. And Kobe was still winning. So we haven't had this. We haven't had this opportunity in a long, long time as NBA fans, as hoop heads. And it's so weird that it all rests on Kawhi Leonard. He chooses the Lakers, same as it ever was. Rich getting richer, a league of dynasties, everybody coming at the king, and they'll probably miss. He goes somewhere else. We've got the NFL. We've got a league where on the first day of the season, everybody thinks they can win. It's an amazing time for the league, and today was a boatload of fun. And it really comes down to if you're rooting for super teams or parity. Because no one really knows what Kawhi's going to do. I got to guess. I can get into what I think it'll be coming up. But if you want super teams and you want a villain, you want Kawhi going to the Lakers. If you want parity... You want Kawhi going anywhere else because a lot of us say we hate super teams and then the ratings go up and we watch them. Super teams have proven to be good for the NBA. Dynasties have proven to be good for the NBA, but I'm not going to lie to you. 
I'd love to see an era of the NBA that mirrors the NFL in terms of parity, just because it would be so different. So I'm rooting for Kawhi to stay in Toronto on a one-and-one so that he can hit free agency again next year or the year after if he wants to, and so that we can see the NBA as a wide-open sport. 855-212-4227. Are you rooting for the super team or parity? We'll hear from you coming up. Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times, national NBA reporter and columnist in just over 20 minutes. But coming up next, straight up, by far, unquestioned, number one, no runner-up, the craziest report in a crazy day in the NBA. It came from New York. We haven't mentioned it yet. That's next. The Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. It's going to be an NBA-dominated show tonight. Dan Wojcicki covers the NBA for the LA Times. He's not just a Lakers and Clippers guy. He's a national reporter and columnist. He's plugged in. He will join us in about 15 minutes. Kawhi Leonard now has the rest of the NBA, the immediate future of the NBA, completely resting and riding on his decision. If he chooses the Lakers, we have the new Warriors. We have a new dynasty. We have a new super team. If Kawhi chooses anyone else, Clippers or Raptors most likely, we have parity that the league hasn't seen in 15 years. And you have easily seven contenders, maybe as many as a dozen, and you've got a wide-open league, which is something the NBA doesn't normally do. And I'm not saying that in terms of recency bias. I'm saying the history of the league. From the 60s on, the NBA has been a dynasty league. Kawhi Leonard could temporarily change that if he doesn't go to the Lakers. And normally on this show, I do a monologue, we take calls, maybe a guest, then we move on to something else. But for right now, I want to get into this because it's so outlandish and ridiculous that I don't want to wait until longer and later into the show, because I'm sure we will address this a lot over the next three and a half hours. This tweet from Ramona Shelburne, ESPN NBA reporter, in conjunction with Adrian Wojnarowski, is one of the craziest tweets I've ever read. And I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment or exercising the use of hyperbole. But I do not know how I would take this if I was a diehard Knicks fan. This is the type of thing that legitimately could shake a fan to his or her core. Fan is short for fanatic. I don't believe in burning jerseys because it just seems like a waste of good clothing that you could give away and donate to those less fortunate. But this is the type of news that makes fandom hard. It makes fan bases turn. Like This is the stuff that loses you a generation. From Ramona Shelburne, the Knicks and owner Jim Dolan were not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract due to concerns over his recovery from the Achilles injury. Knicks officials are in Los Angeles tonight meeting with free agents such as Julius Randle. They have since signed Julius Randle to a three-year contract worth more than $60 million. 
let me be perfectly clear about this. The organization that paid Joe Kim Noah $72 million when he had no knee cartilage left and paid Eddie Curry when he stopped at every McDonald's and every borough on the island was not willing to pay the second best player in the NBA a full max contract when the rest of the league was willing to do it is the type of organizational negligence that should launch investigations. It's malpractice. And by the way, Kevin Durant might not come back from his Achilles and be the same player. But let's say Kevin Durant comes back at 85% of Kevin Durant. 85% of Kevin Durant gets a max contract. Have you seen the league? Have you seen what these guys are signing for? Kemba Walker just got a max contract. Chris Middleton just got a max contract. Clay Thompson off an ACL injury just got a max contract. Only one team can win the title. In order to win the title, you need to have three top 15 players. Kevin Durant is a top 15 player. The Knicks chose not to be willing to pay market value to a top 15 player, and that came down from ownership, and Jim Dolan's not a doctor. That is ridiculous. I'm a Bulls fan. I've seen some horrifying things since Jordan. I'm not sure I've ever seen that type of incompetence. That is worst franchise in the league type stuff. The Phoenix Suns are like, word? Like, like that, that is the type of thing that you're like, what? am I reading that correctly? Is that a fake Ramona Shelbourne account? Did Woj get hacked? Like that that is the type of thing where logic and reason I always try to if, I, if something doesn't make sense I always try to see it from the other side. It's a good way to go through like problem solving and logic and in my business there's a lot of, you know, debating and talking about sports and you try to see things from the other side, anticipate what the uh the caller or your co-host or your guest might say, opposed you that sort of thing. Yo, there's no other side here. This is a league that pays players. There is a salary cap. There are max slots. There is a ceiling of what you can earn. There's no scenario in which Kevin Durant isn't in the top tier. It doesn't exist. He could have ruptured both Achilles. We could have gotten news today that he had a setback already from the Achilles injury, and he'd still be worth a max contract. That is indefensible. I don't even know how to process that as an observer of the NBA. I'm telling you, 29 teams would offer Kevin Durant a max contract. 29 of them. And the Knicks evidently are one that wouldn't. When they traded Porzingis to open up 
two max slots for this summer. So you're going to leave with no Zion Williamson, no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant, but you got Julius Randle. And Julius Randle's going to take a lot of criticism. He's a really nice player on a seven seed if he's the third best player. He's not ready to be the best player of a good team. It's a straight-up indefensible move. And the Knicks weren't willing to pay Kevin Durant the max deal. We'll hear from you guys coming up. Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times joins me next. This is the Danny Parkin Show. This is the Danny Parkin Show. And I very much appreciate you listening to the Danny Parkin Show on CBS Sports Radio, radio.com, Sports, Sirius 206. I love talking NBA with this guy, and he's very kind on a very busy day to make time for the show. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Wojcicki Sports. That's Wojcicki, W-O-I-K-E. He is a national NBA writer for the Los Angeles Times, and he joins me now on CBS Sports Radio. Dan, happy free agency, my man. This league never sleeps. <laughs> it is a uh, it's a fun day. You know, I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm not really a spreadsheet person. But, like, over the course of the day-to-day, I just felt like that was the best way to kind of sort out everything. And when you look at it kind of in total and you see, you know, 38 or so announced signings, um, some trades, uh, tons of action. And the big takeaway for me, Danny, is the Eastern Conference looks a whole lot different than it did uh, yesterday. And it could look even more different after Kawhi Leonard makes his decision. And it just seemed like there are a lot of teams that are just in go-for-it mode right now. And do you think that's because teams see it like the layperson sees it, that it's wide open in a way that the NBA isn't usually? Sure. And I mean, I think if Kawhi Leonard's back, it's open still, right? You know, this was a team that was a um, a really good bounce away from being out of the playoffs in the second round a year ago. Right. But you, if Kawhi you know, goes to the Lakers, I'm not sure if it's that wide open. Yeah. I mean, the Eastern Conference is, is, is certainly more open, right? Like it's a sense of, I, I, it's one of those things, too. You, you get to the finals and you just see what happens. You don't know. Look at Golden State this year, um, you know, losing two of their three best players, um, you know, in a matter of, you know, what, 30 minutes of, or I'm sorry, like probably like 50 minutes of court time. You, right. you know, so you just kind of get there. You want to get there, but you look and you see, you know, obviously what Brooklyn did today. Um, look at the way Philadelphia reshuffled their deck. Um, you know, obviously Miami adding Jimmy Butler, but like even, you know, Milwaukee just doing what they could to stand pat. I mean, you know, this is a team that spent over, you know, $250 million today, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, <laughs> and, and that's, I think, it's, it's, a, it's a realization of kind of where the conference is right now. Um, and it just feels like there's a little bit of a power shift. Did anyone make an obvious mistake today to you? I mean, I probably wouldn't have released a statement if I was Steve Mills. That feels like a big mistake. Um, kind of apologizing to your fans for your free agency sort of miss when, when you've already got two players signed. Um, you know, I, I think the contracts that I, I didn't love the Randall contract. That's a little high for me on him. I had a guy who's kind of a one-way player at a time when the league needs two-way guys. Um, you know, the Brogdon deal is an, an interesting one. That's a lot of money for someone with foot injury problems. Um, but I like it, I think, on the whole. The, to me, the Rozier deal feels like kind of the most egregious. Um, $58 million for a guy who hasn't proven that he can really run a team. Um, he had a, a, a kind of a magical two months in Boston a year and a half ago. And since then has been really uneven. I don't really understand what Charlotte's thinking is there. It, it, it to me, they're in a prime bottom out position. 
Um, you know, it's, it's not a market that, that should be that active in free agency. They don't sign guys. Um, and when you do, you overpay. And it feels like they really overpaid for Terry Rozier. Um, that one stands out to me. I thought the Thaddeus Young signing at first for the Bulls was a little bit of a head scratcher, but, but I think I've come around to liking it. Um, I like, I mean, he sort of plays a position that they have a lot of guys in those positions, but it's sort of that position list, you know, kind of three, four hybrid that can guard and, and, and he's a good teammate and he's a good pro for young players. So I, I, I think a lot of teams did really smart stuff today. It was just a ton of money changed hands. Dan Wykey from the LA times is our guest. So let's talk LA teams here for a yeah. second. What do we make of the fact that Kawhi is waiting and now whatever team he signs with, if it's not Toronto, might be missing out on the ability to add players as they sign elsewhere waiting for Kawhi. Sure. I, I think that affects the Lakers more than it does the Clippers because sort of the Clippers path forward um, in a lot of ways was either going to be Kawhi or Kevin Durant. And, and, and then, you know, that would put them on one path. If not, um, I, they're not really in like sort of a freak out position that they return the bulk of a roster that, you know, won 48 games or so last year that went, you know, toe-to-toe with the Warriors in the first round. Um, they can afford to stand pat, I think, in terms of, um, you know, maybe they can make some moves around the edges. Maybe they bring back Pat Beverly, Michael Green, stuff like that. Um, but, you, you know, they, they didn't miss out a ton today. Uh, for the Lakers, it, I think it could be a really big deal. I think that we saw a bunch of guys that were kind of on their radar go off the board, and if they miss out on Kawhi Leonard, you know, even a, even a deal as simple as, at Davis at $10 million, right? Like not, not having the ability when you only have 32 million in cap room, not having the ability to kind of grab one of those players to grab guys sort of um, at the, at the bottom tiers of free agency that, that can play rotation minutes that come in at an affordable price tag. I thought JJ Redick for 13 million a year, um, you know, would be the kind of deal that the Lakers um, would have been thrilled to have seen if, if they were going to be in a position where they were going to split cap room up between two or three players. And, and, and because they were forced to wait for Kawhi Leonard, which they absolutely should, they, you know, if you're in that conversation and they're very much in that conversation, you should wait. Um, but that, you know, it, that waiting has a cost. And I think it, it hurt them a little bit today in terms of their roster building. In terms of a backup plan, is it D'Angelo Russell for the Lakers? Yeah, it seems that way, um, and, and I, I, I don't love it um, as sort of a as sort of a plan for them. Um, I, I think one of the big lessons Danny I took out of last season um, has to do with the Boston Celtics, and, and it you know, and some of it is chemistry, and some of it was their leadership issues. But I also think it's really hard when you when you tell ascending young players um, who are coming off of very good years to go do less next year. Um, and that, that's what the Lakers would essentially be asking D'Angelo Russell to do. Um, they would not want his usage to be at Brooklyn Nets levels, not on a team with LeBron James, not on a team with Anthony Davis. And, and we've seen other guards in this position struggle. Um, I, I think it's a hard thing to do, um, uh, particularly when you're going to a guy who's as ball-dominant as LeBron, um, you know, to become more of an off-the-ball player, to become more of a selective scorer, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell was in a lot of ways the Brooklyn Nets offense last year, and it was a good offense with him having the ball. He was an all-star, um, was a good playmaker, could take really tough shots and make really tough shots. Um, that wouldn't be what you would necessarily want from him. I like it would be more of a catch-and-shoot situation. That's why, you, you know, it's weird. You almost I mentioned a guy like Pat Beverly before. In, in, in a basketball sense, he almost makes 
to me, a, a more seamless fit, a guy who doesn't need to handle the ball, who's a 40% better spot-up shooter, um, who plays really, really tough defense. That, to me, fits better basketball-wise. But here's the thing for D'Angelo, too. Guys that good at that age don't really hit the open market that often. There aren't that many 23-year-old all-stars running around an unrestricted free agency. And I do think that signing a guy like him for the Lakers, um, it writes a mistake that they made a few years ago. And, I mean, he's a very good player. And, 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 I, and I think, generally speaking, very good players tend to figure it out. Dan Wojcicki from the L.A. Times is our guest for another couple of minutes here talking NBA free agency. We'll get to your calls coming up at the top of the next hour. What do you make of the report from Ramona Shelbourne and Woj that Jim Dolan wasn't willing to offer Kevin Durant a max? I mean, it sounds a little bit like I can't qu- uh, you can't fire me, I quit type of a situation. Uh, yep. um, you know, it, that's sort of what it feels like right away. Um, I had heard the Knicks had sort of faded um, uh, from Kevin Durant over the over the past couple of days um, that they didn't think they could get him. Um, whether or not that was because they weren't going to offer the full max, which it turns out it didn't even take to get him, um, you, you know, that he took less money to, to make this work in, in Brooklyn. Um, but, but you know, it, it's to me it's more the same with Jim Dolan, um, who who has not been a good owner for that franchise, um, who, who – they, you know, they they're able they're in a position where they can just print money and not even have to be a competitive team. Um, you know, good for them for spending Julius Randle. But guess what? They've got a they've got a floor to hit anyway. So it's not like, you know, oh they're really going for it now. Like they're spending money right now because they have to. Um, this was a huge miss from them. Um, you don't go on radio in in March and say we're the mecca of basketball. Everybody wants to come here. And and then come out of you know a day when everybody in the Eastern Conference is making huge moves, and you come out of it with virtually nothing, um, except looking terrible. I I, I think it, I mean, but look, this isn't a guy who understands optics or anything like that, anyways. So I uh, wasn't surprised by that level of reporting. Um, it, you know, I wasn't surprised that that's their justification for it. But you know, to me, it's like if you're going to trade Chris Porzingis. Um, you know, you're doing it because you're creating cap room because you think you have a chance to get a superstar, not because you think you can get Julius Randle and Taj Gibson. So how did it happen from the Nets standpoint? Because they were in the worst shape of any team in the NBA after, you know, they made the big trade with Boston. And I understand that's a long time ago, but how do you? How did this happen? Where KD and Kyrie are choosing to go to New York, but not the Knicks? I think it's a great question, and I don't think like the full story on this has been told yet. But I think obviously, you give a ton of credit to Sean Marks, their general manager, um, and you give a lot of credit to Kenny Atkinson, their head coach. I, I think um, you know there, there's something that kind of happens in this league when when you play teams and, and you see them on a nightly basis. Players notice. And, and they notice which teams and have kind of a good feeling about them, a good spirit, a good situation, a good culture. Players talk. And, and you know, Brooklyn, over the course of this year particularly, had a lot of buzz around the league, um, had, had taken a lot of really smart risks on players, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, who, you know, the Bulls didn't – couldn't make it out of camp with the Chicago Bulls when they need point guards so desperately. Don't remind um, me. You know, yeah, guys like that. Uh, you've got guys like Karis LeVert, um, who they drafted, you know, because of uh, he was injured and, and they took a chance on him. They t- obviously took a huge risk with D'Angelo Russell. 
Um, they built they built a really nice culture, and, and obviously New York as a destination still has some luster, and, and, and it feels like it, it's a victory of culture um, and timing by having the cap room, by, by staying flexible enough and being patient to when these guys kind of are available, you, you know, being able to provide them a home. Now, I think there'll be a really interesting question if the Los Angeles Clippers come out of this empty-handed um, to kind of ask themselves, well, why not us? Um, you, know, you know, what was wrong with us? Why weren't we able to do this? Look at what the Brooklyn Nets did. Maybe part of it is, is, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis already being in L.A. and that being a much more credible sort of threat than the Knicks. Um, that's the first thing that jumps out to mind. But it's all you can really ask for if, if you're one of these teams. is You remain flexible, you have patience, you have young assets. And when the doors open, you know, you rush people in and that's what Brooklyn was able to do. Last thing, 30 seconds or less. Let's say Kawhi stays in Toronto so he doesn't go west. Mm-hmm. Who's, the, who's the second best team in the west behind the Lakers? The Utah Jazz, I think. Um, it feels like I, I love what the Utah Jazz did today. Um, Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich is a really, really good player. Shot 42.5% from three last year without Victor Oladipo. Added Mike Conley already. They play great defense and they got some offense. They're a team to watch. Dan Wojcicki, LA Times. You're the man. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Let's take your calls. 855-212-4227. Winners and losers in free agency and super teams. Next, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.